Uh, we were at base camp. Uh, we were about 25 days into our expedition on Everest, uh, preparing to go up to Camp 1 that night. And uh, about 11 o'clock in the morning, the entire glacier underneath us started to move. Uh, we were in our tent, jumped out, and it uh, started to move very, very violently. Um, and we all stared up at the at the icefall ahead of us, thinking that there was a huge avalanche coming off the icefall. Uh, instead, it was a huge earthquake happening. And right behind us, an avalanche had happened and was coming flying at us. And we had seconds to move and get down and duck for cover, and it hit. And uh, it devastated most of base camp. Must have been terrifying. Can you can you tell us? Can you describe what what you saw? I know you were photographing at the time, but visually, it must have been a a, a very frightening uh, vision. I would have thought. Yeah, because I mean, we were focused on the fact that the ground was moving, and it it, it wasn't logical that the ground would be moving because we're used to having avalanches everywhere and hearing the big noise. Uh, so we're looking at the ground, looking at the icefall, wondering what the hell is going on. And then one of the guys screamed and we looked around and all I can describe it is just this wall of snow about as high as an ice, about as high as you could see. Um, and it was just coming thundering at us. It was almost on us when we seen it. Uh, so it was like something out of a movie and we just had to duck for cover. And at that point, we really didn't know what was going on because, you know, the, it felt like, you know, well, is this an earthquake? Is this a massive avalanche? Is this the mountain collapsing down on top of us? We just didn't know what was going on. It was and terrifying. So what did you do? I mean, when you say you ducked for cover, you mentioned a minute ago, I think I heard you say you, you were in tents. They wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't offer, tents wouldn't offer you the best of protection, I wouldn't have thought, in those circumstances. No, but there, there wasn't much uh, alternative. So we, we were beside our food tent, our dining tent. So basically we ran in there and we went underneath the tables in there and went as low as we could uh, because in an instance where you have an avalanche you have to get as low as you can and spread yourself out so that you're not standing in its wake uh, we had to close the tent very quickly so that there's no area where you know the air can get in and, and, and suck it up and, and throw it against the, the rocks or whatever so we didn't have much time to make many decisions but the one decision was right let's get underneath something solid and let's get flat Why were you there in the first place Paul? I was there because I'm, I'm completing the seven summits uh, climbing the highest mountains on all the seven continents and and this was the last of the seven. Um, this is not my first time at base camp. I was at base camp last year attempting Everest when the massive avalanche uh, came the lives of 16 Sherpa on the icefall just in front of us. And the whole expedition was cancelled then. So this is my second year. And unfortunately, I found myself in, in, in a, a second set of uh, very tragic circumstances. Indeed, and so so I mean, for you know, twice is is uh, is is a bit unlucky to to say the least. Is maybe perhaps mountaineering isn't for you, or good luck isn't on your side. Yeah, well, I think uh, I was I've, I've been lucky on a lot of the seven summits, and um, obviously, you know, this is a very very unique thing. I think when you look down the list of things that could happen you in an Everest expedition, you don't consider an earthquake. Um, certainly, we didn't, and uh, it's a very rare occasion. But certainly, you know, when, when, we, when we eventually got out of the tents and walked across base camp and you see the utter destruction, you know, and then we ended up, you know, spending the whole day carrying people to triage tents and mm. there were bodies strewn everywhere and trying to clear up, you know, where there was destruction, trying to help people. We ended up in that system of assistance for the entire day and the day after as well when the evacuations were happening so you know your, your focus changes very much from mountaineering to, to you know trying to deal with the immediate problem in front of you and, sure, um, and, and help you know, people the, I'm sure is, is the first thing that comes to your mind now you described the physically what, what, what had happened can you tell us what the atmosphere was like amongst everybody there um, I think initially it was it, it was absolute pure fear because a lot of the Sherpa hadn't witnessed earthquakes 
before. Uh, there's a lot of people at base camp that had never been in an earthquake before. There was absolute fear at the beginning. Um, the visibility was fairly poor, so there was the trepidation that there was something coming that we might not be able to see. So we were listening for that. So there was that fear of what happens next. And then immediately once we saw the destruction in the middle of the camp, because it had missed us by about 50 meters, when we saw the destruction in the middle of the camp, uh, saw that there was a lot of people dead or in severe injuries, um, then it flipped from, from worry and trepidation to, right, okay, let's get an action plan going here. What about your family? They must have been terribly worried about you. Were you able to contact them at all? Yeah, um, well, immediately after it happened, um, all of the comms went down. Um, so there was no internet, there was no communications at all. So I, I had access to a satellite phone. Once things settled down, I grabbed the satellite phone, I made a quick call home, uh, told my brother exactly what had happened, what the state was, what I knew, and that I'd call again, but I was safe. Um, and, and most of the people in the camp were able to grab the sat phone and, and do the same. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, that, that pr- presumably was the only means of communication. So was everybody else able to get that message back to their family, their loved ones, that they were OK? Yeah, the majority of people, I think all of our team were able to get access to satellite phones. Um, and then they were able to say, we've encountered such and such a person along the route. They're fine. Or the people in Camp 1 and Camp 2 are fine. So... By, by indirect contact, people were able to figure out if their, if their loved ones were, you know, at, at location A or location B, whether they were fine. And so what happens now, uh, Paul? What, 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 what do you, where, where, from where do you go from here? Well, I'm in, I'm in Fariche, which is kind of halfway between, um, between base camp and uh, Lukla, um, which is the, the next airport from Kathmandu, I guess. Uh, where to from here? Um, we're reluctant to go back to Kathmandu because... There's a, there's a lot, a lot of problems in Kathmandu and there's a lot of relief work going on in Kathmandu. There's an awful lot of building collapse in Kathmandu. So really we're, we're trying to figure out where's the place closest to here that may be in the greatest need that may not have people that can get access to them. Um, because, you know, I'm an engineer. There's a lot of people in the team that have skills. So we're trying to figure out how we can best use our skills and the time we have now to try and help folks up here.